Welcome, everybody, to episode 28 of the Beyond Red and Blue podcast. I am your host, Bo Richards, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Dan Humphrey. Say hi, Dan. Good readings and salutations. We hope everybody is enjoying the beautiful start to the month of March uh, here in Washington, or at least in our neck of the woods in Washington. It has been stunningly gorgeous. It is currently very sunny outside. Um, Still a little cold, uh, but it's sunny. A little cold, <laughs> but it's it's beautiful. I don't care. It's nice to go outside and get a little vitamin D, get a little sunburn. Yeah. So uh, um, today I thought we would do something we haven't actually done yet, though it's obviously been a problem for the last year and a half. And let's talk a bit about COVID. Um, vaccinations are uh, being rolled out in force um, as of like two or three days ago. Today is March 4th. Um, I think on Monday, uh, March 1st, the third vaccine, Johnson and Johnson, Johnson vaccine was approved. Yep. And so I thought it would be a good idea to uh, just there, there's so much to talk about. So we're not going to get to all of it. Um, but I thought it'd be nice to kind of touch on a couple of different things that you and I have both been um, listening into and reading about a bit. And uh, um, just because it's such a prevalent thing in our lives, we're basically stuck inside as hermit crabs. Um during all of this and uh, we're dealing with legitimate issues that are coming to light as a result of covid um one of the common refrains is that uh covid is really shedding a bright light on uh, um the racial injustices that our country faces um i I think that there's actually a legitimate uh, there's some truth to that right i think at least in in the healthcare system in particular there's a there's a good amount of disparity that's existed for quite some time and just the inefficiency with which this has all been rolled out and how people have been affected and the disparities between that, I, I think, speak a bit to it. I don't think it's the entire equation, of course. But um, so, yeah, I felt it might be a good time to uh, to kind of discuss that. Um, so with that, I'm curious, should we start with something that's local to Washington state? Should we start with something that is um, national, other state? Do you have a preference? Um, I, I don't. Got a lot, so. I don't. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Let's start local. Okay. Um, so, one big local thing that came out is uh, about three weeks ago, there was a report that was released by the, uh, I believe, it was the Department of Health. Um, and it, they'd done a good amount of data on uh, COVID vaccinations. Uh, for reference, I think about 8% of the population in Washington state right now is uh, fully vaccinated. Okay. And um, near as I can tell, that's the correct number. I've heard other numbers. This is the one I took from the state of Washington website. So, um, and it was updated on the first. It's probably higher because it was updated on the first. But um, they released a report talking about um, a whole host of uh, inequities. There's been a lot of pro equity talk. Uh, you and I, you, uh, you viewers will know how Dan and I both feel about the word equity um, versus equality, but. Uh, um, I think in this instance, they actually do bring up in a lot of instances, actually um, equity is brought up to address legitimate inequalities in things. The problem is with equity is is it's a distribution of outcome, which can be problematic over time. And so also impossible often to enforce. But um, the report laid out a bunch of the uh, discrepancies between who's getting vaccinations, who's getting first doses, who isn't, who's getting second doses and is fully vaccinated versus um, those individuals and uh, their race, 
identity and how they break down population-wise. Um, and there's some discrepancies, right? Uh, as an example, um, this is the big one for me. I think his, the Hispanic population in Washington is about 13% of the total U.S. Pop, or total state population, but is only uh, 4% of um, the number of people who've been fully vaccinated. Okay. Additionally, they make up 33% of all COVID cases in the state of Washington. So they're hugely disproportionate. They're, they're all getting COVID and none of them are getting vaccinated. Uh, hot take, right? Yeah. Um, so that's an issue in and of itself. Um, the issue that I want to bring up with it is one of reporting. The Seattle Times put out an article shortly after this report came out, and they actually put a link to the report, which I then read. Um, it's fairly short, so that's nice. Most reports and things are like 100 pages long. This one was like eight. 10 or maybe 16 it was short um and the article uh i think i don't know if it was deliberate but they quite like they they very much misrepresented the data in a way that i thought was very odd um and so i thought what might be good is to to first talk about how they misrepresented the data and then discuss why that may be the case um so let me pull up a quote directly from uh Really pull up the data that they discussed and, and kind of give you an idea of what I'm referring to. Um, this is a direct quote from the, from an article. It says just four and a half percent of residents who received at least one vaccine dose were Hispanic, compared to 13.2 percent of the population in the state of Washington. Um, and nearly one third of all cases in the state are Hispanic. Um, less than. of non-Hispanic black residents have been vaccinated compared to almost 4% of the state's Washington state's population. Uh, By contrast, 65.8% of non-Hispanic whites have been fully vaccinated compared to 67.6% of the state's population um, being white. So wait, 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 back up real quick there. Did I hear that correctly? You said 67% of whites in Washington have been vaccinated. This is by contrast, 65.8% of non-Hispanic whites, 67.6% of the state's population have been fully vaccinated, end quote. I, I literally copy and pasted it from the article. And I take it back, the article that I'm pulling from, I believe it was all, it was in uh, CL Times, but I pulled from ABC News. And I'll put that in the, in, in the, login note, in the log notes. Um, Who the hell's getting all these vaccines? <laughs> I, I, I maybe know someone who got the vaccine. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I, yeah, maybe one. I'd have to confirm that with him. So he, here's the issue. In the same article, it notes <clears throat> that as of like February 10th or 14th, I forget which day the article came out, that 940,000 vaccine vaccine vaccines had um, doses have been given at that time. Okay. Washington State has a population of 7.61 million. Um, 68 percent, roughly, is like 5.1 million people which is the number of white people in Washington state, roughly speaking. So if 65% of them were vaccinated, that's like three times the amount of doses that have actually been given in the state. So the, the number is just wrong. There has to be what an they age actually, qualifier. Is that, is that white even, over even 65 that, or something maybe? No, no, no. So the uh, 85, so uh, white people make up 85% of um, seniors, 65 and older. So, um, and th- that actually is another number that's brought up as well. And so I'll get to that. Okay. So, I look, like I said, I looked at the data because I was like, holy shit, 65%, 66%, whatever, of white people in Washington have been vaccinated by February 10th. That's first off, that's a large number of people. That's amazing because that's like 5 million people. So that's like time I'm to glad, reopen. 
number of people. That's, yeah, that's yeah. like herd immunity shit right yeah. there. And I'm like, well, that seems unlikely to me because um, most of the people I know were white and I only know like two of them who've been vaccinated. So yeah. that doesn't add up to what I know. But that doesn't mean anything. However, you never know. So I looked, I clicked on the link to look at the numbers and they had just simply misquoted the data. Um, of the people who have been vaccinated fully, um, about 67% of them are white. Aha. Or, uh, sorry, I take that back. At the time, it was like 65, 66%. Right. Now, uh, as of March 4th, it's, or March 1st, sorry, um, it's 67 or 68, maybe 69%. It's, it, I forget the number exactly. I'll look it up here in a minute. But um, so they misquoted it. But that's actually a problem when it comes to, uh, a large article that talks about inequities of vaccine distribution in an era when we're in incredibly sensitive to inequities of minorities. Do you think? Because the cl <laughs> the claim is that like almost three, you know, two thirds of white people have gotten the vaccine and only one percent of blacks have. Right. And it's like th that seems wrong to me. Who put this out is. again? Is this the Times? Um, so the article I'm reading from is from ABC News, but I, I do believe the Seattle Times also had the article. I just. I don't have a subscription, so I use the free version on ABC News. Um, okay, so I'll double check that because because it may not have uh, the article may have been slightly different different through Seattle Times, but they did also post an article about it. So um, at least um, those are organizations where journalistic integrity has not completely died. One would hope. I would hope, and that is but, that is a major fuck up. Well, so here's the thing: is because um, you could say, oh, well, you just chalk it up. It was just simply um, they forgot to add a few extra uh, uh, word connectors in the sentence to make it 65.6% of fully vaccinated people were white versus 65.6% of the white or of the population. Right. Between um, you and I, I'm okay with that. If you're writing me a communication, I'm like, hey, bro, I don't, I think you're missing some punctuation or whatever. But yeah. as a journalistic outlet, that is in you no way editors. acceptable. Yeah. That is their job. No. That is their reason to exist is to prevent these kind of things from happening. So that's a bit concerning. Yes. It, no, it's definitely a bit concerning. Um, and it, for me, it actually kind of took away from what the crux of their article should have and for the most part really was about, which was the fact that there's an uneven distribution of vaccine vaccines. Yeah. And that actually is a problem. Um, and but misrepresenting the data in such a way, like I said, it takes away from the credibility of the article for me. I'm sitting here like, like, yeah, I want to fix these problems, in particular for the Hispanic community, because it's such an, a, a large issue. Um, but the only thing I'm getting in my head here is that white people are unfairly getting vaccinated because they have Internet access and the ability to drive places. Because that was those are the two main things that... Um, uh, are cited as a problems for getting vaccine vaccines is that you need constant internet access so you can refresh all the time to find a vac place to get a vaccine and then you need to be able to drive to the place to get it and those are legitimate issues I, i'm not making light of those issues um but if whites are generally wealthier then they're more likely to have the ability to do both of those things sure yeah i see i see this as what will um will accept the article's misstep and work with accurate information um but in order to draw uh, something meaningful from that data, I think it's important to also see how that lines up across class lines. So based on income, mm -hmm. how are these distributions panning out? Additionally, I am curious because unfortunately it is a relevant factor, but what is culturally the 
vaccine resistance in Hispanic households versus black households versus white households. Uh, yeah. Which is to say, well. you know, how much of the time is it not that they can't get the vaccine? They are choosing not to get the vaccine. Uh, and yes. I'm not pointing it one way or the other, but it is a valid concern in today's climate. And without that information, uh, I don't think you can draw an accurate conclusion one way or the other. No, that's actually very true. And um, another article uh, that I read uh, earlier today actually talked a bit about that. And the, the article, the author specifically stated that it is it would be impossible as far as uh, I believe it was a sheep, as far as they were concerned uh, to determine what the breakdown was of people of color not getting the vaccine, whether it was because they couldn't find it due to lack of internet access, they couldn't drive, they didn't have access to a car, they were disabled and didn't have anyone to take them. They were, uh, or, you know, they were, um, there was a language barrier or they were uh, um, reticent to accept a vaccine because of fears of the medical community. Um, because there's a lot of factors in how do you pinpoint all those things? It's actually hard to do that. And, sure. um, but that is legitimate. That's actually a legitimate reason. Um, so one of the... So when I initially done the notes for this, I read the article back on February 13th or 14th or whatever, and was like, this is a, um, like I said, I, I don't, I want to be charitable and not claim that the, the, cause I actually saw that misquote in like four other articles. I read a bunch of different articles that basically regurgitated the same stuff. Um, and it's what it looked like to me, honestly, my unprofessional opinion is that, um, one person initially wrote the article and then like five other journalists just reworded the same article and published it in new stuff. Cause it was all basically the same stuff yeah, yeah. and they all misquoted that same piece. They all said, and so I want to be charitable and say that it wasn't done willfully, but I'm not actually sold on that because I saw it repeated so many times. Be that as it may. <clears throat> well, um, even if it's done lazily, that doesn't make it any better. Yeah. So here's the issue, though. Um, I didn't really think much more of it outside of just the lazy journalistic, you know, endeavors uh, that it occurred. But I was talking to my own father uh, a couple of days ago and um, just to see how he's doing. He, uh, um, you know, we've talked a bit about him. He's spent some time in prison and he's been a drug addict most of his life. And he had hep C for 25 years. And I didn't know this is slight uh, side tangent, but apparently you, you can actually um, fight off and your, your body can like get over hep C. There's no cure for it, but your body can actually, uh, your antibodies can actually build up enough resistance, I guess, to eradicate hep C, oh, apparently. Didn't know that um, was a thing. So I didn't either. He told me his doc said he's hep C free, but he has hep B from heroin use. And so oh, he went from one hep to the other. <laughs> um, and now all he needs to do is get hep A and he'll have the trifecta. Um, he's, he's 60. Uh, you know, he's got his cirrhosis of the liver, which is why I called him because he was supposed to get a, uh, um, go get a bunch of, uh, have, have them put a tube down his throat, a camera down his throat to check out his insides a couple of, like a week or so ago. And um, we were just talking and he wasn't able to get it done. And we were talking about the vaccine and stuff. And he actually didn't get it. He actually didn't get the vaccine, even though he's eligible um, because he had, he didn't tell me as such, but I'm sure this is what it was because he cited the same statistics I'm talking about. I'm sure he read an article citing the statistics that I'm telling you. And he said that he felt that it wasn't fair of him as a white person to get the vaccine because 67% of whites have been vaccinated and a small percentage of minorities hadn't been. And, and then he started talking about white privilege and how pernicious it is. And I, which was really odd to hear from my, my old father, but um, 
and it was late. So I didn't like challenge him on this. I just was like, I, I don't really know what to say at eight 30 at night. I'm not trying to have a, a conversation about the, the merits or lack thereof of white privilege and how he needs to get a vaccine before he dies. Cause if he gets COVID, he probably is just going to die. I don't, his health is deteriorating rapidly for a 60 year old and, uh, um, 61 year old. And I, you know, we, having both heps and cirrhosis of the liver and like probably spleen and heart issues and 45 years of heroin use. Like, he's just, he's a very high risk individual who's probably not going to make it. And so, but I didn't want to be like, dad, get the fucking vaccine. Fuck everyone else. Like, I don't want you to die. Cause it's kind of heartless, you know, it really, really is. And so, um, but it's, <laughs> just point him to previous podcasts, dad, get the <laughs> yeah. vaccine. If you're wondering why we discussed this a lot on the yeah. podcast, but go get a vaccine. You know, and it, but it's like, he's li- like, and I hadn't talked to him about the articles I read. We haven't really talked about the vaccine and stuff. It like came out of nowhere. And I was like, holy shit. Like someone actually read this and then f- felt, he, he's felt so bad about the discrepancy that they're like, I'm not going to get a vaccine. And so, my dad's in it. I think I don't know, understand how they exactly break down, but I believe he would qualify under the term empath. I think it's he's very empathetic. Okay. Um, you know, he's the kind of person who will see a, a sad commercial and cry. Sure. Um, and he, he's he'll give you the shirt off of his back. I think he's actually done that as a homeless person. He used to be homeless. And he, I vaguely remember him telling me he gave another homeless person a jacket um, so that they wouldn't freeze to death because they were I think because they were slimmer than he was. He was a little bit more pudgier. So he had enough more fat to keep him warm. And they made a joke about it. But hmm. um, if I remember correctly, but um, it's like, that's, that's a problem in and of itself for people who need the vaccine, regardless of skin color. Like I, um, and so like, I, I don't know how to feel about that. Like part of me is like really irritated. And part of me is also like, that's a nice thing to do. Like that's a very empathetic thing to do Yeah, is to try and, especially <clears throat> in my hometown, which is, uh, um, has a pretty, from, at least it did when I was, when I lived there, but I believe it still has a pretty high Hispanic, uh, uh population. Um, and so my assumption would be that, uh, it, um, not a lot of Hispanics in the area have been vaccinated. So, um, you know, like it's one of those weird things, right? Like I said, I'm just, I'm like really irritated by this misreporting that caused my dad to not get a vaccine when he should have it. Cause he's really unhealthy. Dude, I, I think that of- that warrants a letter to the editor or whatever the equivalent is <clears throat> to the responsible journalistic party. Yeah. Something in the vein of my father may die because you can't fucking fact check. Yeah. And it's like, it wasn't that hard. Like I, I saw that data and, I, and then I right below it, like I said, they, they give the number and then below it, they give the total number of vaccinations that have been given. And I'm like, there's like 67%, the, the, the numbers don't add up. Like there's like 7 million people in Washington. And I looked and there was more. And I was like, so they're obviously wrong, but like not everyone's going to read that and be like, oh, those numbers don't seem right. Like, let me do some quick, ma-. everyone hates math. No one's going to do quick <laughs> math in their head and be like, oh, this is clearly wrong. They made a mistake. And who reads reports? Yeah. Dorks. Yep. dorks and weird people of which i'm both so like i yeah it was just it was just like i said it was frustrating and i'm like i, I that's I super frustrating man Jeez. yeah and i appreciate that my dad is an empathetic and kind individual who wants to help people and and i actually agree there's uh, and we can we'll slide into this here in a second because that um, this kind of t- dovetails into some other issues that are sort of state uh they're sort of state they uh, washington state uh related but they mostly relate to Oregon but um you know I I think it's valiant to do what you can to help out communities that are disproportionately affected and that seems to be most uh, of the you know the BIPOC the margin mar- BIPOC community uh, people as peoples of color and um 
but like fuck you know like yeah. it, it was definitely I would, yeah I was like I'm trying to like I'm still trying to like grapple with like how to properly feel about it and like should I be more upset than I am you know touched by his altruism or should I or, or, or the other way around you know should I just like let it go because my dad's a you know a nice person and wants to help people who um, are for whatever reason somehow worse off than he is though I, I would defy people to find someone who have been worse off than my father throughout most of his life right. just given his life experiences but um, not that it needs to be a contest of course but well at um, first pass maybe you can just point out the uh, egregious inaccuracy in that article yeah and say dad it's not as bad as you think and you are high risk let's go get you a shot yeah right um, right exactly and, and what i what i actually it's funny because i um I've been trying to like work through this and I was like, well, we're going to talk about this on the podcast. So I was going to bring it up to you and work through the logic in my head. And then um, I'll probably end up calling him later tonight and being like, just get vaccinated. Yeah. Um, Cause maybe I'm off base and maybe the right thing to do is just to shut up and say, you know what, let him, you know, cause other people who get vaccinated, let's say that there are other Hispanics or other, other blacks who get it vaccinated. That's good. Cause they're disproportionately affected, but also deeply affected are people over 60, over 55, regardless of color and so well, dude, it, I, here, here's the thing man and, and i think no matter what your stance is on different races genders ideologies any way you want to slice it up there is something special about people you share dna with it's your yeah. fucking family so don't feel bad about telling your dad to go get a shot he's your dad you know what i mean well, yeah like that's that's not a bad thing and your dad well, sounds they, like a really good guy, so let's go get him a shot. Yeah, um, no, I, I, my dad and I have had a very good relationship for most of our lives. He's he's lived a very tumultuous life, and he's made a lot of really stupid decisions. Um, he's a, he's like the classic. Um, you ever see the movie Black Sheep with Chris Farley? Oh, a long time ago. Don't remember so much of it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's Chris Farley. In his his like whole family or David Speed, right? David Spade. Yeah, David. Okay, yeah, 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 but yeah. so his brother or dad or whatever politicians, and he's Chris Farley, so he doesn't fit in because right. it's Chris Farley. He doesn't yes. fit in straight laced families. Yeah. So my dad is basically like what that movie would be like if it was real. Okay. Because the whole movie's a farce, right? Um, and I don't mean the political side necessarily, because my my grandfather wasn't political or anything, but it's that if you were to not make it funny and to make it real, my dad is literally a black sheep. Gotcha. You know, he is him and my him and my grandpa didn't speak for like five years. My dad didn't find out that my grandfather died till like two years after my grandpa died. Ooh, um, okay. Like they didn't speak for most of his like twenties and thirties, and um, like it, it, yeah, there was just he he was just the fuck up who was on drugs all the time and went to prison and like was a bad role model for his uh, for me. Um, all that you know, like he was just the constant fuck up. Um, but be that as it may, like. You can you can have those faults and still be a genuine human. Yeah. You know, but like I said, whatever the case, um, I think I, what I'll probably do then is I'll probably actually write a letter and um, and then give an update in a, in a future podcast. Um, okay. I actually even thought about writing a letter. Uh, but um, but yeah, like I said, I, I really wanted to, to talk to you about that and kind of go through my logic there. Like, should I be angry? Like, does it make me racist for being angry? That's like another question that like I think I think would be contemplated in our current culture is like, does it make me a racist to contemplate that my dad should get a vaccine because he's eligible over people of color because of the 
inequities in distribution? Like, how does that fit? Like, that's a legitimate question, and I don't know the answer to that. Uh, it doesn't. Um, You're not a racist. Okay. <laughs> you may be accused of it, but that is an inaccurate accusation. Uh, it's your family, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, th that's kind of I, I didn't consider it for that uh, that long, and in, in part because, and this may be the wrong logic, but the logic that came <clears> into my head was it. It would be like looking outside and seeing that the ground is wet, and then assuming that it rained. Like, there's no causation doesn't equal, or however that logic goes, right? Correlation Just because it's doesn't wet. equal. Well, it, correlation yeah, right, doesn't the, equal causation unless. The correlation was predicted beforehand, and I just picked yeah. that up from Heather Hying, and I okay. think that is an excellent addendum uh, for that particular phrase. No, you're absolutely right. There could have been somebody out there with a hose wetting down the street. Uh, however, I think there is something worth uh, taking into account is a quick and general weighing of the odds. You yeah. look outside, everything is wet. It probably rained. You know, maybe don't but bet the just bank likely, on it. Yeah. But I could just as easily have peed on the ground, right? Like, right. Boy, you'd have to be peeing a lot, but it's possible. Yeah, I, I heard someone <laughs> made that, that. That's see, that's the you heard the um, someone sprayed a hose. I heard the pee on the ground argument, and that, <laughs> it, it always stuck with me because I was like, because yeah, you think about it, like, oh, it's you know, it's it, 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 it's wet outside. You know, it obviously rained, and it's like, well. Maybe someone did pee a lot. <laughs> that's a whole lot. Again, that's an odds thing. <laughs> that's a whole fraternity after a kegger, maybe. Yeah. Well, and then like uh, it, what the reason the other reason it stuck with me is that uh, when I was a kid, um, I forget who, but someone told me when I was a kid at, like at church that um, <clears throat> that when it rains, it was God peeing. <laughs> <laughs> and so like that's that's kind of how I remember it. Is just this image of God being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, something for all y'all. God's like, I don't like Washington. I'm just going to piss all over it. <laughs> 300 days out of the year. <laughs> oh. But anyways, yeah. So, um, yeah, don't feel so bad yeah. about getting your dad a vaccine. <laughs> That's good. Like I yeah. said, I, I was, I was erring on that side. It was just more of like, whenever, you know, as you know, and as listeners will know, as we talk through things, like whenever I come across new information or, um, I come across uh, challenging issues. I, I like to think through all of the options and talk them out, mm -hmm. whether it's to myself, to my spouse, uh, to you, to someone else. Um, and I don't like to just write them off automatically and say, yep, I'm not even going to consider this. Um, even if I think it's a small chance that it's, or there's a small chance it's right, I'll still consider it for a second and then try and figure out exactly why I would write it off and why that's a, a good reason. And so, um, I didn't want to let that reason go because it's I spent a lot of time reading about critical race theory and about anti-racism and this falls in line with that narrative. So it's like, I might as well consider it even if I don't think it's at all relevant or um, correct. It's like, I might as well, cause it may be, I don't know. I don't, like I said, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's the case, but um, it's something that I thought should be asked and we're doing a podcast about ideas. So we might as well talk about uncomfortable ones like this. So absolutely. Um, it's, it's the responsible approach for sure. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not so, yeah. just going to ignore it. And so, um, Okay, so unequal vaccine distribution. The article in question made some other interesting uh, choices with its uh, data. Um, and I'll, 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 I won't cite all of the different choices. I'm just going to briefly go over them, and then I'm going to link the article into the show notes so that anyone... Uh, who wants to can read it mostly because there's a lot of different things to pull from it and it's not exhaustive it's actually a pretty simple data set um it basically only goes over race and ethnicity 
as it pertains to total population, people vaccinated fully, and people with one dose for all ages, and then for 65 plus. So there's no, I didn't see anything. There may have been something about income, but I don't remember anything about income. Um, if there is in the actual data, um, I'm sorry, because I, I just don't remember it offhand. Um, but they cite that there's unequal distribution amongst um, Hispanics and, and, bl and Blacks, um, and that there's an over-representation of, of whites, though the differences are quite small. So it's not clear to me, actually, that that's relevant to bring up like they that's the other part of it is that like overall white people are about 67 percent of the the washington state population and as of march 1st actually 69 percent have been of the people vaccinated fully are white and so it's slightly above average but at the time of the data it was <clears throat> 65 66 percent so it was actually slightly below but about mm. the same okay and so that's the other thing that may be questioned the re misrepresentation of the data is that like they're bringing it up but it, like Basically, what they should have said is that whites are vaccinated on par with their standing in the population. Right. Because that's what it showed when the data was done initially. Um, they cite the differences between Hispanics and blacks in their makeup of the population. The problem is that the number of people, the numbers are so small that it could change pretty drastically after like a week um, because the percentages are small. Right. And they, I think that should have been acknowledged, even though it, there is a discrepancy. Like, as an example, technically, um, half as many uh, African-Americans have been vaccinated um, within the total amount of people vaccinated versus their level of population. So about 2% have been vaccinated, and they represent 4% of the population. So they're half. Okay. But the number is small. So, like I said, that, that could easily change with just a concerted effort to get more African-Americans vaccinated. That number could go from 2% to 8%, and then it's double. Right. Because the numbers are tiny. There's um, Hispanics, it's extremely egregious. It's like three to four times. And the fact that they're a third of COVID cases in Washington is terrifying to me. I feel very bad for all of them. Um, so that needs to get fixed immediately because they're more likely to have not get vaccinated and get sick and get COVID. And so that's a problem. Yep. What they didn't cite is that, um, technically speaking, uh, Native American, um, or, uh, what's it, Alaska Native and American Indian, which is a category for Alaska, Alaska Natives and, and essentially Native Americans, um, are overrepresented in vaccinations, but they didn't go over that. Again, it's a small population, so it, I don't consider it significant, but they're like 1% or 2% of the population, and they're vaccinated about double that. Um, so well, that was, now, are, Who's in charge of the vaccinations for, and I like saying First Nations because that seems more respectful, but for First Nations or Native yeah. American populations, is that uh, handled within the tribe on the reservation or are they coming to uh, public facilities it's all done, provided uh, by the state? It, it's all done by the tribes, I believe. Um, okay. They may use public facilities, I, that I don't know, but uh, um, my, uh, my stepfather is an example. He's uh, uh, part uh, Native American and... Um, as is my 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 steps my half sister and uh, all my uh, I have a bunch of half brothers and sisters and um and their family and everything and uh they all did it through the the local clinic in my hometown because there's the, the the tribal seat of the the native tribe um is uh in my hometown and um I think basically everyone who's a member of that and they actually have a second uh, location in Tequila but um just south of Seattle but that was all done through uh, both of those places. And then I think um, you could go, I, I believe you could go in anywhere else and just get that has uh, the, 
the tribal affiliate and get vaccinated. And then they did stuff like in parks and things like that. But um, yeah, so it is, a, it is a bit separate, but it's also their first nations, their native American, however you want to put it, uh, they're sovereign. They can choose how they give their vaccinations regardless of right. what the state or the federal <clears throat> government says, which is good. I think I think it's actually correct to do, but like they, they just disseminate however they want to. If anything, I just look at it as a nod to them being better at logistics. Yeah. Well, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, like, um, this is actually very true. So like I said, my stepdad, uh, you know, my, my, my sister, my younger sister, older sister and brothers and all that are native American. And my mom actually works for the tribe. And, um, and so, I have like a, a good amount of knowledge of how they're doing this stuff. And, um, I actually initially, um, it was pretty quickly realized that I wouldn't be able to, but initially it, w- it was thought that I might get the vaccine, even though I'm technically not native American because I've lived with Curtis, my, my, my stepfather, my whole life. And they, I think that the, the tribe was thinking about, um, extending the vaccine to, extended family of tribal members which would have included me i believe they oh, didn't wow. do that so yeah and so um the, the, when it initially rolled out they weren't sure and so um that was kind of the initial thought but uh, it, it didn't work out that way which is fine I, i'm not trying to take vaccinations from uh native americans in particular who actually need it but yeah. um but uh, yeah so tribes are smaller compared to the regular population they use one system uh I believe it's a separate system per tribe. They may use one system for all the tribes. I'm not sure, but um, the tribe in particular that I'm my stepfather is a part of, they use one system, and because it's tight knit and, and small, like they and fairly local, like they know everybody. I'm pretty sure they've already basically administered um, almost all of the vaccines to all of the members of the tribe in the area. It's a, it's a high percentage. I, I, I wasn't able to find out how high it was, but I know that um, within like three days, they'd move from vaccinating people over 60 or 50 or whatever to vaccinating the entire um, the entirety of the, the tribe, Bam. regardless of age, regardless of age. Nice. It's so like I know I know people who are part of the tribe who are under 25 who've been vaccinated because they're part of the tribe Yeah. because they open it up to everybody um, and their spouses and dependents inside the house. And so I'm not a member of the household, so I don't qualify. Had I lived with my parents, um, I would be able to get a vaccine. I'd probably be depressed because I'd be in my 30s living at home. But <laughs> but at least I'd be not worth it, man. Know, <laughs> not worth it. But um, and so that's what they decided to do is you need to be a member of the house. But, um, but yeah, so I think that's actually in part why, uh, say, because uh, uh, the classification is uh, Alaska Native um American Indian. That's actually how they classify it. Uh, and then they have it shortened to, um, a N, um, AI is the, is the qualification is the shortened okay. qualification in, um, on the COVID Washington website. I think that the reason that they're overrepresented, let's say in COVID vaccinations is because they're smaller and they have, um, better outreach. Yeah. Um, well, see, I, I think that's, a, that's a good example of why it's important to look at other causes because mm-hmm. it seems in today's climate that uh, it is racism until proven otherwise, no matter what you're talking about. Well, racism yeah, it, is assumed rather than saying, OK, that is a possibility. That's a hypothesis. If that's the case, here are the predictions. Another hypothesis is uh, the effect of class status and, yes. and income. And if that is the hypothesis, then these are the predictions to be tested, um, et cetera. And it seems to me 
just just at the the surface level that I've been exposed to much more likely that's a class level thing. Now, it just so happens yeah. that there is a correlation of black and brown, black and brown people in lower class communities. That's, that's how that's worked out. And that became the way it is, I do believe, because of racist policies in the past and all sure. of that. I'm not arguing any of that. But what I'm saying is uh, I personally don't believe anybody is withholding vaccines based on the amount of melanin in one's skin. I don't think hold that's up, the hold case. Up. Um, hold that thought. Okay. Because that actually is uh, is false. And we'll get to that. So finish now. Finish your thought, and then no, we'll, hit me, we'll move hit me. on. You got me now. Okay. So um, I had mentioned earlier a couple minutes back that we would move to um, to something that more more resem- uh, deals with Oregon, but is something that came up in Washington. And then I can actually show you a legitimate example here locally of this okay. occurring. So um, in Oregon, there was a. There's a couple of issues here, so I'll go over the the, the, the racial issue first, and then we'll talk about the, some other problematics that came about. But um, basically, a city hall meeting was done by a group of volunteer uh, people on a panel, and one of the things that they discussed potentially doing was opening up schools uh, um, based on race in order to uh, better con- uh, combat um, inequities in learning. This isn't COVID-related, but it it does it does actually there's a push there's there's a correlation in washington to this so basically oregon was like uh, some people brought up an idea and i don't know how hard they pushed it because it wasn't recorded um because of public backlash so we'll get to that in a second because public uh, a public forum was not recorded and there's no record of it so that's bad mm. uh, but they basically were like we should open up schools to uh, marginalized, uh, essentially non-white communities. And they didn't specifically lay it out that way, but they gave a list of things. And it was pretty clear by the list of people's kids who should go to school what they meant because uh, by who they omitted. And then they didn't go through with it because they didn't know if they could do it legally. They didn't know if legally they'd be allowed to essentially have uh, racial minorities come back to schools to get caught up because they're further behind in school than whites are um, because of the, the discrimination factor of it. Um, so that's an issue. And then on top of that, in the state of Washington, there has been discussion of um, only giving the vaccine to racial minorities in order to account for the inequities in um, comorbidity, people dying from COVID, getting COVID. There are actually places in Washington where they're only giving vaccines to the BIPOC community. Really? Yes. Well, there's that's one racist as fuck. Yeah, there's one in Lake City, as an example. Um, so you would be... So does that mean... They don't accept a reservation. Is it a reservation-based thing? Yes. Okay. I'm a young white guy, so I haven't even even tried to get a vaccine yet. As far as I I could see, I thought about calling them and just asking them, like, hey, um, I'm just curious. Because on one level, I actually don't have a problem with trying to vaccinate um, high-risk minorities. Because they're just emotionally effective. You go into the community... And if yeah. it's a predominantly black community, you're going to be vaccinating predominantly black people. Yeah. But uh, Mrs. Johansson over here happens to be an old white lady. She needs a shot, too. Uh, she comes so into she, like, yeah, this place. Yeah, she gets they, to come in. But, it, you know, if, if she were to get uh, withheld or not allowed to get the shot just because she's white, even though she's in a community they're trying to do outreach to, uh, to me, that would be incredibly egregious. Well, and like I said, I, I, I did not, I was, I did not call the, the, the place and check 
Um, and that was an error on my part. I should have called before we started talking about this. Uh, but they were pretty clear because they literally said, we are only giving vaccinations to the BIPOC community. Did they put that online somewhere? Are those words yeah. that can be referenced? Yeah. Because that that is suspicious at best. Yes. And like I said, that, that, that's the, the thing that happened in Oregon reminds me of this because of, of, of the, the, the racial focus. Um, and so and because they were they weren't <clears throat> sure if they could go through with with it because of the discriminatory issue. And I don't know if, if that same thing would apply to um, only giving vaccinations based on race. It, this is an interesting issue. And so there's a lot of moving parts here. Um, a lot of the a lot of the issues that I hear when it comes to discrepancies within um, COVID vaccinations is there's, there's always talk about um, different professions and how they're affected and how people of color are going to be in certain professions that have yeah, more yeah. people contact. And so it's all intertwined <clears throat> or to, to use a, um, a, a, a current cultural uh, phrase, it's intersectional, right? Um, and I, I would think have to it, think I, that that's that's a uh, an important piece of the Hispanic statistics. Yeah, right. right very, very true. Um, yeah. and, and we actually this is a slight tangent. We haven't talked about this part yet. But within the Hispanic community, a big a big speculation of why um, they're underrepresented in covid vaccinations is because they're afraid to come forward to the Department of Health and the government because they may not be legally allowed to be here. Like legitimately. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Legitimately. That's, yeah. And so. Um, <laughs> Dude, that's a, okay. That's com that's common, and so yeah. Um, but because at some point, I think that we're going to have to decide as a state or as a country um, whether it is um, legal to make these types of decisions based upon race, like we would make them based upon age. And no, we, we don't. We don't, Bo. Those decisions have been made fifty years I know. ago. Well, no, no, I'm uh, so let me sorry. Let, let me re, let, no, let me rephrase. I'm sorry, I'm just like <laughs> let, let, let me let me rephrase. We got some laws. So, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, I agree. So let me, let me rephrase because you're right. You, uh, um, I'll rephrase that better. I see us heading to a point where this issue will come up. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Not that we we actually need to have it and decide. It's more of I feel like this is the inevitable end conclusion is that this conversation is going to come up and people are going to be like, well, there's all these inequities. We need to focus on this. And I don't know if that's the best thing to do. Um, if, if you read at all about uh, the more radical end of uh, the left, so the critical race theory stuff, the anti-racism stuff we're talking about, um, this is actually encouraged. Like race bait, the whole thing is literally to focus on race. That's the, the actual point. And I'm not being hyperbolic about that. Um, that's literally the point. Um, and uh, so the change to focusing on race for these kinds of things would actually be what is wanted. Um, and then if you follow Abraham X. Kendi, you will know that if policies are racist, but they lead to equitable outcomes, then they're anti-racist. Yep. Which, to put that into, into, into layman's terms, is to say that um, if you enact racist policies and they close whatever the gap you're looking to close between whites and browns, let's say, or whites and blacks, um, whites and people of color, then it's not racist, it's the opposite of racist. Um, I would so, rephrase that myself and say, per Kendi, it is okay to be racist as long as you're not white. Yeah, that's another way to put it. Or that's you could it. say that, or you could also put it as um, <clears throat> racism equals anti-racism. Um, as long as you're not white. Yeah, uh, which um, 
Yeah. And so, which is the same thing I think is saying two plus two equals five, but we yeah. can, that's, that's actually, we can uh, go down the 1984 road at a different time. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was very interesting. Um, I'm not really sure. I understand the need to vaccinate in particular, the Hispanic community at a greater rate to the rest of the communities in the, in the state of Washington. Cause that's this, I don't know the numbers for the rest of the country. Um, and so it would seem plausible to me to actively outreach on a larger scale than whatever else you're doing towards that community. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but at the point that you do that, like, where's the line where you're doing this because of, in this case, race, ethnicity, and it's discriminatory and illegal? Like, do you understand what I'm saying there? Like, yeah. how do you, um, that, and that, that's a legitimate problem. Uh, well, you I mean, don't frame even... it by race. You frame it by economic status. If you're in a poor community, we're going to help out. We're going to give you a little extra help. We're going to make it real easy. We're going to get in your neighborhood so you don't have to have a car and drive somewhere. Yeah. We're going to make it super easy to sign up. Uh, and and we're gonna get shots in arms, and yeah. uh, guess what? Turned out a whole bunch of these folks were black and Hispanic. Great, cool. With uh, <laughs> the the we targeted an economic strata that is in most need. We gave them more help. There you go. That to me that seems perfectly logical. It, yeah, it does to me as well. And so I, and I, I think too that um, with this you also have. Uh, different interest groups and nonprofits that raise money to target different communities. And I think that that's, it seems to me that might be the best place for um, this distribution to come from is you have different groups who are like, we're only going to target the Hispanic community, or we're only going to target the black community or the native American community and let them as a nonprofit individually raise money to go help these communities versus disproportionately allocating government funds in order to make up for these inequitable outcomes. I, does that sound like maybe the better way to handle it? Like, I'm not opposed to it. For To be honest, this is, it, it comes into my own ignorance in terms of policy as and, and the yeah. difference between raising money and having the responsibility of privately raising money versus government money. Like that's, that's a nuanced conversation I'm not really equipped to have. Yeah, um, me too. But I certainly wouldn't oppose a group of people saying, hey, we are raising money to get shots into Hispanic arms. Like, OK, cool. Hell, I might even contribute a little bit if I can. Um, yeah. I, I see no problem with that. Yeah, me neither, because I, I definitely would like to um, find ways to uh, uh, close that gap. And, and actually, while we're on that, for anyone listening who is in the state of Washington or knows somebody who lives in the state of Washington, please go to www.covidwa.com. That's C-O-V-I-D-W-A.com. Um, near as I can tell, it is the most up-to-date and the best uh, vaccination finder in the state. It's done by volunteers. They basically have a list of every place that has a vaccine available in the state of Washington. I've actually looked at the website. Um, if I plug in my own zip code, it'll give me what's closest all the way to what's furthest away. So I literally have 500 um, different places to choose from if I wanted to. Um, I believe what the 
what they do, what the people do is they call around and then assemble a list and then update it. Like they put in a huge amount of work. No, I haven't found anyone in the news who's written an article about this website. They give all the other websites that you can go to um, because none of them are the Washington state website. Cause it sucks. Um, it doesn't list hardly anything. And it's uh, so again, it's www.covidwa. That's C O V I D W A.com. Um, if you know of anyone who needs a vaccine or you are eligible um, because you will be able to find it, they will break it down um, and tell you if there's any restrictions like by veteran status. That's actually how I found the, uh, the, the, um, the clinic in Lake city that only uh, um, gives vaccinations to the, the BIPOC community. Uh, there are um, ones that uh, specifically cater to the Hispanic population. Um, and they're, they're, it's, it's known that they're, they're doing so um, oftentimes they'll list their stuff in Spanish. Um, but yeah, so that, that was something that I found. I thought that was really cool. Some people were putting in a lot of good work to make sure that vaccines can be found because the distribution in the state of Washington and, and nationally, but in Washington has been fucked. It's been absolutely fucked. Yep. There's, <clears throat> there's a there's bunch been, of spots on here too. I'm looking at the website now. Uh, yeah. This is a good resource. Yeah. So it, type in your uh, zip code <clears throat> and, um, and then type, uh, there should be a drop down like filter by, and you, you should be able to click available, available vaccine. Um, and then it'll filter all the ones that actually have vaccines that are available as of probably this morning. And, um, Ooh, I see your Lake city one here. Yes. Yeah. And so go ahead, go ahead and read. In red, important. In red, yeah. BIPOC, black indigenous people of color, communities that have been more impacted by the pandemic only. Yeah. Hmm. And so, Interesting. Like I said, I didn't call to see how that was legal or if they know exactly how they're able to uh, to get around that. But um, and here's so yeah, here's the the VA Puget Sound important yep. eligible veterans only. That makes sense. Yeah. So I actually um, helped my property managers, both of whom are in their late sixties, set up. I believe they set up an appointment uh, this morning to go to the, that VA place. Okay. It's down in it's down in South Park, uh, just south of Seattle, uh, just north of Burien, I believe, and. Uh, um, that's how I, I found the site and helped them because they they were having trouble, even though they're both veterans, um, finding a vaccine because there's no reliable sites and no one. Everyone has different systems. None of those systems correlate to the federal system that you have to fill out that every, and, and all doctors and nurses have to fill out your information and upload to the federal one. And there's no way to sync them all up. And so and they're all different from the state one, which is also different from the federal one. And so. Basically, what you have is you have every single clinic and hospital and YMCA or QFC or Safeway because they're offering vaccines as well. All of them have different systems and they have to upload it into their system and then upload it into the state and federal systems. And none of them can talk to each other. So there isn't one mothership that has all of it except for like websites like the one I just sent to you that you're looking at right now, Dan. Which um, is completely fucking ridiculous. I mean, if you think of the accomplishment that was made in terms of developing a vaccine, that was incredibly impressive. Yeah. That was that was the landmark progress in the speed of putting out a good vaccine, which is actually several good vaccines. And I tip my hat to all of the scientists that work so hard to make that happen. However, at the same time, when you're pouring all of this money into creating a vaccine, once that vaccine exists, the federal government absolutely knows that it now becomes a logistics problem. Yep. 
and they've had at this point almost 12 months to figure it out and absolutely drop the ball. That is 100 so, yeah. percent a governmental fail. It is. It is a complete failure on the Department of Health um, <clears throat> in the state of Washington. One of the things that was cited, and I'll, I'll put in the the show notes, the CL Times article about this. But they talked about, um, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the exact uh, um, the quote, and I don't have the article up in front of me. Um, but from what I remember, essentially, the Department of Health did not um, enlist the help of the National Guard in uh, vaccine distribution. Um, and for the record, for anyone who's uh, curious, the, this is part of the National Guard's job when there's an issue. Like they get called in to do uh, riot protection when there's like protests and things. They get called in to distribute vaccines and other things when there's pandemics and things like that's part of what they do. In yeah. most states, in particular, all of the states that have been leading the charge on vaccine distribution um, all started. They basically what they did is they called a long time ago. The National Guard was like. You're going to be doing this. And then when all of when everything came in, they gave it to the National Guard and then the National Guard distributed it and gave it out. And that's one of the reasons why Washington is like behind is because they didn't do that. They told them to stand down. They thought that they could handle it on their own. And then I think we were like 48 out of 50 states the first two weeks of the vaccine distribution. We were Which, doing like uh, in my mind, that can only be a political move. Why would you turn down the help of the... And I, I would say the, the yes. U.S. military is logistically the most capable organization in our government. When <laughs> yeah. it comes to logistics, you call upon the military. That's what they do. Um, to turn that down for some political reason is inexcusable. Yes. I, like I said, it, it very much is. And I, if I remember correctly, the excuse was that they thought they didn't need the help. And I don't care if you think you need it or not. Let's get these going as fast as possible. Well, come th on. that's my thought, too. Like, it's not like this was just a bad case of the flu. Right. right. Like, I, I would understand if the flu hits a little bit harder this year and they're like, we can handle the, the, the workload. Not a problem. But this is literally a once in a century pandemic. Literally. I'm not, again, not hyperbolic. Yep. The last time a pandemic in the U.S. was this bad was literally in 1918. It was. So that was over 100 years ago. And so it isn't like we haven't known that either since March of last year. Uh, let's say, let's be charitable and say June of last year. Let's give it a few months of people not really knowing all the data. Let's say since June of 2020, people, the vast majority of people, including the people in power and government, have known that this is a fuck of, of an issue. And so it's not like the people who are in the Department of Health were like, oh, this isn't a problem. Like, we don't know how bad it is. They've known for a long time. And yes. they still decided we can handle this on our own. The fuck you can. Like, I'm well, so and here's, here's I was so thing. angry when I read that. Absolutely. Those people should also know, and I would just insist that they do, um, that the rapid deployment of a vaccine is of critical importance. And here's why. Yes. Um, we've already seen several variants coming up, which is what's going to happen. Yep. This virus is going to adapt. That's what they do. So this is completely normal. However, there is an exponential benefit in uh, achieving herd immunity before additional variants have yes. a chance to adapt. So a an incredibly fast response when that is possible, when a vaccine exists and to with utmost urgency, get those into as many arms as possible is going to benefit more than just, oh, it was a little bit quicker. 
no, it may save lives because a certain variant was not allowed to take hold because X amount of people got vaccinated, et cetera. Um, and it, it fixes the problem faster and possibly prevents a lot more tragedy. They know this. I'm not a fucking scientist and I know this. So they know this. And yet the politics gets in the way. Yeah, no, very, very true. I, I really don't understand like what the hell they were thinking. And so on top of the variant issue, we, we've been in lockdown for a very long time. So the sooner we can get out of that, the better. Um, for a whole host of reasons. Yeah. Sorry. Can you hear me? My, my audio cut off for a second. Oh, yep. Yep. You're still there. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the, the sooner we get out of this, the better, but also like schools are closed, suicide, depression, yep. anxiety are up a the huge, economy. In, in huge numbers. I mean, yep. there more and more and more reports of kids committing suicide are coming about. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, all of this is not easily solved, but there are things that you can do that are easy to do. You get the National Guard to help you offload or take care of these vaccines. Like, I don't even know why that's a fucking question. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you want to help black and brown communities, post up in those communities. White folks with cars, you can drive over to get your shot, but we're going to be right next door to the folks that yeah. maybe don't have a car, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I see no problem in, you know, tilting the field a little bit in that way. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you're a well-off white person and you've got transportation, you can hop in your car. No problem. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're going to post up in these communities. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a thoughtful response that hasn't happened. Yeah. And so, like, uh, as an example, um, the state of Washington is actually doing part of they're partly attempting to do just that. They started a uh, um, they call it uh, all in Wa Washington. Um, vaccine equity initiative. Um, and the goal is to raise $30 million. Prefer they would like have to be from public funds and half from private funds to um, basically go to under underserved communities and administer the vaccine. Um, I'll support that. Yeah, At least on I the face of it. I want to read I, some details, yeah. but yeah, I like that. I, yeah, I, I don't like the term equity there, but I, I, right. I'm fine with uh like I said, what, what, what it is they're describing that they'll do. This is from the same article that also misrepresented the number of people who've been vaccinated. So, but, um, be that as it may, um, that speaks to exactly what you're talking about. I think that that's right. Um, yeah, so definitely some issues that are, um, at hand here, uh, to go back to the article, just to finish my thoughts on that. Um, and kind of what nettles me so much about it is that the article could have been written in a way that got their point across, which is that there's inequities in distribution without misrepresenting the data like they did. Like what they should have said is that we have some inequities and we have some people who are on par. Here's how it breaks down. Whites are about on par. Some whites are actually under vaccinated and there are most vulnerable because 85% of people 65 and older are white and only like 77% of them have been vaccinated or of the people vaccinated 65 and older are white. And so they're slightly underserved. Um, not heavily, but they're also the ones who are most likely to die. So that could be a problem. Um, but that's never cited at all. Literally, the people who are going to most likely to die, which are people, you know, older than 65, they don't even go over the data. Um, and then they don't talk about anyone who's over vaccinated 
I don't think it's necessarily that, that important. It's, I'm glad that some people are um, over vaccinated, but it's never brought up unless, except for whites that are over vaccinated. And then they misrepresent that data. But egregiously, um, whether yeah. on purpose or I don't know, but it's like it's like a gross misrepresentation. It's not even at all true. And like I said, it was just frustrating to read that because like I, I want to see the data so I know what's going on, but I also don't want to question everything you say because you don't do the data right or because you don't um, bring up the data right. It's like, I don't, I'm actually happy if the Native American community is vaccinated not higher rates than the public, than the regular community. That does not bother me. I want to know that, but it's never yeah. mentioned. I also don't think we should pull resources if we even can as a state legally from them in order to give it to uh, whites or um, African-Americans or Hispanics, I did. but it's like I like I said, how they represented it, I thought was very suspicious. Um, well, the the trust in in journalism in general has eroded so far over the last, you know, two, three decades, whatever. Yeah, that it's 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 difficult to separate the journalism of today to the journalistic ideal of, you know, uh, Walter Cronkite. And, you know, the old school guys that were much more trustworthy, it would seem, to to not editorialize, to just give you the facts of here's what happened, do with it what you will, which is really what journalism is supposed to be, versus where we are now. It's pick your team, pick your flavor, we'll make you feel good, we'll tell you what you want to hear, um, or we'll make you mad because you want to be mad because... Apparently, that's what's going to get you to watch us more. So we'll go ahead and enrage you. Um, And, you know, we're beating a dead horse here, but, you know, it just furthers the polarization that we currently exist. And if it brings people to the point where discussion is not possible, then war is inevitable, you know, and and we're we're not there, but we're pointing in that direction. Yeah, no, very, very true, Um, particularly in times of crisis such as these. If you are convincing people that uh, more white people in Washington have been vaccinated than exist in Washington, yeah. if it's that bad, but people are going to believe it because you, know, you just read it and it's like, oh, look at that. Oh, my God, that's crazy. Um, yeah. Then someone such as your dad, who actually uh, fully qualifies and really should get himself a shot, is yeah. going to step aside. That is that's not right. It, it's noble on his part, but no, he should get a shot. Um, so, yeah. the, the, which is to point out that these things have consequences. This mis- misrepresentation of data have real world consequences. It's not entertainment; it's journalism. No, very true. And you know, like you said, beating a dead horse. And I, I agree, but I think it's important because it is like I'm not a statistician. I'm not a PhD who, um, for a living, in part reads um, peer reviewed literature and goes over that always has data in it. And like, like this isn't my forte. Um, I literally clicked on a link in this article and there's, I'm looking at it now, it's 12 pages and it took me like three minutes to figure out that what they had quoted was wrong. And so it's just lazy journalism. Yep. And it's like, I, I don't like, we're not, like you said, we're in a polarized time. Everything's, I, it's one of those mistakes I just don't get. And yeah, whatever the case, um, I do think, uh, it, it has yet to be corrected, as far as I can tell, and it's um, very irritating. But um, let us—we can do a uh, whole podcast on journalism yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's, which it's we, we probably we probably should. Yeah. Um, so let us uh, 
let us move on from this. I'll take a short minute to look through my notes okay. um, and see what else we could possibly come across here. Um, I want to make a slight correction. I had my notes wrong here. Um, so in Oregon, there was a panel of volunteers who um, had went, what, what had happened is they had, uh, um, they had scrubbed a, uh, or they, they had had a public forum that they had no longer, they stopped recording and no notes were taken for because they'd received uh, hateful and ra- quote, end quote, hateful racist emails. Um, they didn't specify what they were, but that they were disturbing emails um, over their attempts to figure out how to give the vaccine out. Um, the uh, separate from that, was the issue of opening the schools by race. And that was actually done in Washington. So I had that mixed up. I thought that was done in Oregon. Okay. That was okay. actually done in Washington. Um, the, in Washington, uh, um, the OSPI, I forget what it stands for, but it's Washington State's K-12 through uh, like governing agency. Um, they mold over the options of opening up schools based upon race, among other things. But they, um, they decided against it. Uh, uh, or they they haven't really come to any conclusion if uh, they can do that because of legal concerns, and then um, <clears throat> and then the uh, the prioritization of uh, communities of color in particular um, for COVID vaccinations was scrubbed in Oregon because of legal concerns. So I just had the states backwards on that. Okay, um, gotcha, gotcha. but uh, I, I didn't want anyone to hear that and then go look it up and then they realize I was technically wrong. So to recap, Oregon or an Oregon group of people. Um, we're going to do vaccines based on race, essentially, um, and scrubbed it because of potential legal concerns. And then in Washington, Washington State looked into possibly opening up the state based upon, among other things, like I said, um, based on race. Uh, income level was another one. There were other factors because mostly what they were looking at was um, who is most affected and doing the worst in school at this moment. Um, and that's who they wanted to bring back. And so they had a list of people, a list of uh, criteria, and among those was race and uh, um, income. And uh, that makes sense. I don't even begrudge the question. It's a question worth asking. And you say, yeah, no, probably not. We don't want to base it on race. It's, it's probably not legal. And well, that's, personally, it, it, I don't think it's moral. So, yeah, it's, that's a legitimate I, question. I think it's yeah. I think it's definitely a legitimate question when you consider that. Um, it, it, the, the identified gaps between, um, even if you break it down by race, but the identified gaps between students, um, because, uh, they're, they're doing school from home. Um, there, yeah, it's, it's something that should be asked. You should go through and say, okay, people are doing bad. Who are the, who's their family? Like, what's their income situation? Like what's their uh, household? Like, do they have one parent, two parents, multiple siblings? Um, do they rent? Do they own? Like, uh, they have parents incarcerated, like whatever you want to look at. It doesn't matter. Um, you can draw you can draw conclusions from that, but uh, yeah, it, like I said, it was very interesting to to read. Um, I don't think necessarily personally that doing it based on race is because one of the options they suggested was legitimately um, to uh, to allow minority kids to catch up because they're so far behind white kids, so they'd let them go back to school to learn by themselves. Um, you know, I think that is a that's it's trying to make anti racism a cure all. Wherein that is yeah. not, in my opinion, the problem as to why black and brown kids are doing poorly in school. It is a multi-generational 
and economic and cultural situation that is not going to be fixed by hmm. simply uh, letting black and brown kids go back to school early. It's not the access to school, it's the schooling itself that needs to be adjusted. And I don't mean uh, there's black math and Mexican math and white math. I mean, it's looking deeply at the causes and the, you know, just the various reasons why these kids are struggling and addressing that. And, you know, it's, it's got to be a long-term solution. There's no easy fix to it. It is absolutely a problem, but just pointing the finger at race, uh, that's not the solution. Yeah. And so here's, here's the other issue that I, I, I assume, I, I think I know why it's not really talked about, but education is denigrated often and talked a lot about and how bad education is and how bad it is for, um, in particular, you know, say inner city schools or where they're primarily people of color and, and, and so on. And, but the dominant pedagogy, which is, uh, the, um, the teaching of knowledge, basically, um, in K through 12 schools has been the same since the early eighties. And, um, and I'm actually not, again, I'm not being hyperbolic or joking about this. The dominant pedagogy has literally been um, some form of critical theory, critical race theory, and intersectionality. That's not even a joke. Um, I'm, I'm not reading too much into this. Uh, this is actually true. Um, you can buy the book uh, uh, Ideology by uh, Henry Giroux. It's G-I-R-O-U-X. Um, there's more to the title. I forget what the rest of it is, but the, the, the first word is or the, what's mostly known as ideology. Um, and the broad premise of most pedagogy is to do a lot of what we're discuss we discuss on the podcast when it comes to equity, like what it means. Is it's it's is it's a um, opportunity of outcome-based, um, identity-focused politic for kids designed to turn them throughout time or i don't know if it's explicitly designed probably to some degree there's some i don't know all of the literature but of course but um, but will surely result in right but but it used to foster activism in in kids yep. um and so and you hear and you hear the people who the word you know, we denigrate you know say you're even max kennedy's and things who who, who themselves uh, criticize education um, but what they're criticizing is not only the stuff that they were taught that they then went to school to learn more of and are trying to change more of, but they're they're criticizing the stuff that they would also teach to kids on top of it. And this is actually kind of a separate issue um, that no one ever brings up. And I think it actually has some merit, though. I don't know what the answer is. So I want to preface what I'm going to say with that. Um, they denigrate education, but like 80 percent of teachers are women. And so most people yep. are being raised in schools by women. And we're apparently doing a very bad job of education. So what does that say about women? And like I said, I don't know the answer. I don't know if there really is an answer, if that's actually a, a logical conclusion to make. But it's a question that should be asked. Sure. I'm going to catch mind, fire think, for asking it, but I, I'm going to yeah, ask well, it anyways. It's like, I, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm off base. Like, you know, correlation does not equal causation, like you said. But That's <laughs> just what I was going to say, yeah. But that, does that mean we should not ask one of those questions? I don't know. Um, now, having been, having grown up with, um, I have, uh, one uncle and uh, many aunts and um, like most people, you know, there's more women in my family than men, but I actually have uh, uh, drastically more women in my family than men by a large degree. And um, 
basically all my teachers in school are women. Like, I have a great appreciation for all the things that the strong women in my life have, have taught me. And so on one level, it's like, I don't think that what I was saying a minute ago is actually true, but that doesn't mean the question should not be asked. Maybe what we actually need is more male teachers. I don't know. Maybe we need more black teachers because there's not a lot of black teachers either. So you could uh, draw the same conclusion about whites. You could say there's like 80 or 90% of teachers are white. So the problem is we need more black and Hispanic teachers to, to make education better. Uh, but none of these here's questions think, are really being asked, you know, here's what I think should be the first step. Um, and it's not an instant fix, but I think this, this would be a fix is to get rid of property tax based public schools. Yes. Because I think that one thing, the fact that the quality of a public school is based on the property taxes of the surrounding area, which means rich areas and rich kids go better to schools. the, yeah, go to better schools. Um, and, and that is a self-perpetuating problem. Mm-hmm. If we got rid of that one thing and, and just make it, you know, population-based, there's a thousand kids in your school, you get X, 3,000 kids in the school, you get Y, you know, whatever it is, um, and even that out. And then separately, I would even support as a catch-up some additional funds to schools that are underserved currently. But no matter how you do it, it is going to take a generation or two, mm-hmm. or at least a school generation, you know, meaning like say four years through, you know, whether it's your middle school or what have you, but it's going to take some time for that to actually give results. But I think that that is absolutely where we should start. That is a, it's a, uh, a discrepancy that we can see in the data that is easily to quantify that we can make that change and see if it actually works Yes. Rather than just throwing our hands up and saying racism, um, well, let's give these shitty schools some more money and try to improve the schools. If the teachers suck, let's hire better teachers mm-hmm. with better pay because they are doing a tough job. Uh, and I think all teachers, at least in, in you know public schools, are you know way underpaid. And we the the value that somebody puts on something is shown in the money that they're willing to spend. And no matter what people decry about schools they truly don't actually value it because the money is not going in that direction yeah um so that i think should be the first step to to making some positive change yeah i agree um i I need to review this but uh um bert weinstein went over a um some of his thoughts on education and how to possibly fix it or make it better um and I remember, like I said, I don't remember exactly what all he broke down. One of the things he advocated for was he, he'd be willing to consider, depending on how it worked, um, the charter schools. I'm not super familiar with charter schools, but as I understand it, they're- Nor am I, yeah. They're, I, I believe that they're essentially um, voucher-based uh, private schools. So like you can, uh, if you have the ability to send your kid to a school outside of your district, let's say you, you can afford the cost or you can have some kind of tuition or financial aid for it um, and they can apply and get in um, you'll be able to go. Um, and I think part of the reason that he was fine with that is because, is I, and again, I don't know the literature behind this. I'd like to read some more before we have a talk about this, but, um, as I understand it, charter schools have actually been shown to have, um, have helped, uh, the, in particular, the African-American community, the kids, mm. the best, the best of all the things that have been done to help, um, young black kids. Um, though I'm not sure how, 
legitimate that is because near as I can tell, uh, Democrats, the left does not like charter schools. And in fact, I, I vividly remember for a very long time, people um, being very angry at Betsy DeVos because she brought back, she did something for charter schools and, and everyone yeah. on the left was pissed at her for it because they thought charter schools were racist. Um, and so like, I'm not sure how those two things equate. Like she's bringing back racist stuff for charter schools, but they actually help black kids either one of them's wrong or they're actually racist against whites in which case i don't know why the left would be complaining because that's anti-racist so like (laughs) i need to know more information because that logic doesn't hold up in my head and so there's obviously stuff i'm missing or they're just incoherent with their argument it could it's probably both i need to learn more and i'm sure that the argument's probably incoherent because it's common but i'm in um, the exact same boat yeah yeah so but uh that's one of the things that i've heard are actually good though i would like um some more research yeah it's um there's something also called a, a magnet school, and I know very little about this as well, other than apparently it is uh, they're typically either STEM or arts related schools. So it's a specific portion of the education, not just general public education. Yeah. Um, but since they offer these specific uh, curriculum, I guess, um, if someone is, uh, you know, qualifies or has a bent toward, you know, going into a STEM field, then yeah. I, I think similarly school. they can be, you know, brought out of a traditional school district, maybe go a little farther, or whatever, to a magnet school to yeah. get an education that's going to be a little better fit for them. It's similar to like an art school. Yeah, they, yeah. they, you know, that, that's actually um, uh, common in in areas where they have like specialized schools for um, people who do arts and arts and stuff so whether they yeah. dance or write or um uh, joshua waitskin the mm, the, yeah. the, ch- the chess prodigy from uh, the movie searching for bobby fisher he and went bjj to, uh, black belt and a, yeah well, he was actually <laughs> marcelo garcia's first black belt holla um, yeah yep. and so and he's he actually is still runs it but he was the co-founder with marcelo of um marcelo garcia in action um, he's oh, the, he's that, okay. and, and so that and he actually opened marcelo's school in new york with marcelo he was he's the co-founder of both okay. so um it, obviously it's all marcelo's name because uh, uh, of the things that joshua waitskin has done and they most of them have been phenomenal he has not won world championships in jiu-jitsu so he's not yeah. on marcelo's level yeah from a jiu-jitsu standpoint but he is anyone really <laughs> yeah valid question um but uh, I guess it depends on who you ask. I, I think, uh, like uh, Brian would say, that uh, uh, Hickson is on his level. But I, 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 I'm not so sure about that personally. But um, sure. Oh yeah, it, it's a conversation worth having. I mean, you got you, yeah. you, got, you know, but, and then uh, uh, you know, you Craig Jones and you, yeah. and you Gordon Ryan, blah 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 blah. But yeah, he yeah. he went to a to a school that had um, many you know actresses and actors and um, th- theater peoples and uh, people who were uh, they did sports and it was performance based. Um, like he, he was technically, he went because of his chess prodigy, um, when he was a kid and stuff, but, um, yeah. So this just strikes me as something similar to that. And I think it's actually a good idea because the kids who go to those types of schools, like those are the ones who have better chances of becoming Hollywood actors and actresses. They're the ones who have better chances of becoming, um, you know, uh, getting on tv and writing a successful novel as they get older and like all those kinds of things like there um there's a higher propensity at those schools they're expensive and they're very exclusive but they allow for the kind of creative creativity and freedom that you need to study your craft at a young age um yeah. 
you know, and uh, I think the the distinction with the magnet schools is there is some level of federal funding mm-hmm. for those. So it's basically that idea where the government kicks in yeah. and, and helps out, and they offer um, along with the, the arts, but they have STEM programs as well. Yeah, which personally, I think is absolutely vital to the uh, I do too to the vibrancy of our country. It's we we're gonna at some point we'll have a. a a more in-depth podcast on education. I, I do some slight reading on education um, every f- once a week or something. And the more and more I do on it, whether it's statewide or it's national, um, the more, the bigger of a problem it gets and the more it makes my head hurt because there's so much that's wrong. And a lot of it is just, it's run inefficiently. Maybe there's some, you know, institutionalized historical issues um, that, you know, uh, hold back communities of color. Um, a lot of it is pedagogical. Um, and what I mean by that specifically is that a lot of it is, um, predicated on the woke ideology that we talk about and denigrate. I think we correctly denigrate it, but it is very much in the schools and, um, that's actually creating problems. Um, you know, well, and here's the thing too, if you look down the road with that, um, Regardless, even if you agree with the ideology, but the net result is going to be undereducated people going out into the world, unable to compete on a global scale. Yes, um, we had uh, we had Professor Chereau on uh, a few months back. He had mentioned, and again, correlation is not equal causation, but I'm going to bring it up because it's interesting. He had mentioned that um, his colleagues had. Uh, uh, at the UW University of Washington had commented multiple times before how students would come in and not have basic math skills. They'd come out of school, they'd get in somehow to the UW, but they wouldn't have basic critical reasoning or math skills, but they'd be, you know, science majors. And, um, that isn't to throw this all on, um, the woke pedagogy, but there are many, many, many issues at play here. However, I, without a shadow of a doubt, just given everything that I've read, believe that in part it was this kind of stuff. Um, right here in the state of Washington, um, the secretary of the uh, um, education, like Department of Education, is a teacher, and she literally runs an ethnic mathematics course. It, it, um, it the, the whole point of it is to is to question. The whole point of the course is to literally question the um, the white supremacy of mathematics and how the math as we teach it is racist and white supremacist. And um, that's the point of math in our courses, which is interesting because I would have thought that the point of math was to teach math, not that it's somehow racist because two plus two equals four is racist. And it's so unbelievable. I mean, the reality is the, the evident reality, the objective reality is that mathematics supersedes mankind mathematics is the language of the universe Mm -hmm. and if we were to ever make contact with another life form from a different world it is almost guaranteed that the initial um, language that we would be able to communicate with is mathematics yeah it's just a representation of how things are regardless of your opinion uh, this is how much a- uh, energy is uh, contained within a given atom or whatever. It's math. 
It has nothing to do with people. It's universal. Uh, it, that's that particular topic. I, I find so incredibly frustrating that that is even entertained for more than two seconds. Well, not only is it entertained, but it's taught in in a Seattle public school. But it's taught by the secretary of the Department of Education, so that's someone who is who is on the on the board, but is you know lower down. I guess I'm sure that there's presidents and VPs above a secretary. Usually there are, but um, but not only that, the teacher is uh, my age, so she's young. Um, and if you, we talked about this a bit a few months back, but um, this is the same person who made um, a little bit of a, a storm on Twitter a few months back by trying to by calling all of her people that she knew on Twitter to help her make the statement two plus two equals five true. In order to basically stick it to the patriarchy. Um, yep. And, and then she received a bunch of responses from legitimate academics, so like actual professors at colleges, trying to piece together how two plus two could equal five. Um, now, for- he, and I might add the most ham-fisted bullshit methods of like whatever it is you're doing here, it is not mathematics. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, if anyone wants to listen to James Lindsay, who is has a PhD in math, uh, break it down. He talks about. There's like one instance in which that equation is actually true, but it's using like a bimodal form of mathematics. So like our base two form of mathematics. So we use base 10. So we go uh, one to 10 and then we start over. Right. Um, So 100 divided by 10 is 10, that kind of thing. Um, Binary for like computer code is zero, one, zero, one, and then it starts over. Right. Um, Base two is uh, zero, one, two, zero, one, two, zero, one, two. And so uh, I guess something to that effect, like a, um, two plus two equals five in that sort of system. And it, maybe it wasn't a base two, something different, uh, but um, he, he talks about it, but it it's, it's in a specific math system. That's only used in specific, uh, um, specific points in time. Right. And, so, and even uh, that, if I remember the argument correctly, it is more of a, um, rather than representing a numerical value of two, yeah. um, it's more the, the numerical position Correct, within yeah. the, you know, the base two or whatever. Um, so it's not actually, you know, uh, summing the value of two with the value of two to equal five. It's just playing games. Well, so with that number was, positions. yeah. And that actually wasn't anything that came up by the professors who were trying to make and people who were trying to make this true. They didn't come up with that option. Mostly what they did. And I don't remember the exact numbers, how they were trying to parse it out, but they basically um, used a lot of rounding up to determine that the equation was right. So if, yeah, if it's you, a rounding error, that is not accurate mathematics. Yeah. So if you have 2.5 plus 2.2.4, let's say you could say right. you have two plus two equals five because you would just round up something to that effect. Yep. And then yep. they used an example regarding chickens and taking chickens away. Um, and I don't remember the example. It makes sense with chickens because you don't have half of a chicken. You round up to a chicken because right. if you take one away. But um, I remember the examples. I was like, you're kind of stretching it here. Like you're, you're you're trying to make this true when it like you, I can really tell you're trying here and it's not working. Um, yep. Yep. But yeah. And so there are problems with that. And then I see that <laughs> and I see that and then I see that, you know, college students have trouble with entry le- basic level college level math. And I'm not surprised. And then. We'll extend that out 10 or 20 years. Where do you think the United States of America is, assuming we still exist, on the world stage? 
China's laughing their fucking ass off. Yeah. And India is laughing its ass off because now they're going to be the big players. Yeah. I, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it's atrocious. It is very much so. And so we're going to find out, um, there was an article written, uh, by, uh, Chris Rufo and I, I, I hadn't planned on talking about this, so I don't have any of the data. Um, but, uh, he had gotten some, uh, documentation from a, a school in Buffalo and, um, he talked about how they implemented some of this, the more radical forms of this pedagogy into their schools. And um, since then, the uh, in the last two years, the proficiencies in every measure and every grade basically have dropped precipitously to the point that one of the, I think like seniors um, have a, uh, like a 30% proficiency in math or something. And like an 18% proficiency in reading, like the, the, those are numbers aren't actually correct, but they're like really low uh, proficiencies in math and reading. Mm. Um, and, um, and they've gone heavy, heavy all in on this sort of uh, pedagogy. And uh, my assumption is that there's at least some correlation between them and because they've seen precipitous drops and, yeah. uh, and yet they're all, they're all in on the fact that it actually works. And everyone what, is equally idiotic. So here's the thing. Um, I'm, I'm a, I've always been a big proponent of um, allowing kids to burn themselves so they understand how fire works. Okay. Um, Within a degree, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. But, um, you know, you, you can tell a kid, don't put your hand in the fire. It's going to burn. But they're not going to listen until they do it. You know? Right. And so... And, most people are like that. Some people just won't do it because they're afraid. But I was a kid and I've actually stuck uh, forks in the light sockets and I put my hand on a burning stove and I, I've stepped in a fire, like I put my hand in a fire. Like I, I, I've done all that stupid shit. I was a stupid boy. Like, um, and I find that you don't really learn to use fire again, how bad fire is until you get the shit burn out of you. Like yeah. that's just kind of how... Or, and I'm, I'm in your camp. I'm a, let me touch the stove and see what you're talking about. Uh, but there are, there are people that are more temperamented into, they will watch you do it yeah. and go, oh, I can learn that lesson without having to burn my hand. Well, yeah. And like, I, to, as a slight tangent, he, as an example, go ahead, finish. I, I was going to say that fits in with, um, you know, the, the purpose of history is to learn from it. Yes. Um, so a slight tangent example, my dad's been a heroin addict his whole life. Um, and that was one of those times when I was like, I can watch your example and then not do it. Yeah. So um, I've never done a drug harder than um, than weed. Save for I, I got I had painkillers for getting my wisdom teeth out, um, but they were prescribed. So anything else, never. And so um, and after watching my dad go through what he's gone through, I, like, I have zero desire. Um, yeah. It, because of that, and so. I take that point for sure. But I think part of me is very big on letting people learn their life lessons and figure the shit out. And so with that being said, part of me is like, let's let the education system deteriorate and try this new pedagogy or this old pedagogy, because it has been around for 40 years. Let's see them radicalize it some more and just implement it in our systems. And let's see what happens in the next 15 years. Let's just sit back and watch and see how much it fucks our country. And then the challenge I have with that, and I agree with letting people you know, learn for themselves, however that needs to happen. Uh, but on a personal level, when your mistakes affect other people, 
that's yeah. when it's a different conversation. So well, I yeah. hear what you're saying, but it's like, fuck, that's going to hurt a lot of people that had nothing to do with this. Well, yeah, I mean, it, that's why I've never really too much advocated for it because what I'd be talking about is allowing the country to basically run itself into the ground for 15 years, ruin the entirety of Gen whatever, Gen fucked, whatever the young kids are because <laughs> they're fucked. So it's Gen yep. fucked. I think it's Gen Z. Um, let them just ruin themselves and become effete humans and adults as they grow up. And um, and then say, oops, we fucked that up generation up. Let's try and do better with the next four. That's um, obviously very that may high. very well be what happens. We may not have a choice in the matter. We're, we're doing our best to well, yeah. uh, to continue the conversation, but there's not that many people having this well, conversation. I, I know. And the problem is that, like, let's say that everyone is having this conversation. It's like, you know what? Let's just let's just let these people be kids and put their hand in the fire and we'll see what happens. And then in 15 years, like we don't have a country or it's gone down a road where no yeah. one ever thought America would go down. And to be clear, I'm referring to a, a fascist or communist style, um, uh, government, but, uh, um, which is terrifying I think an important, reasonable. Absolutely. I think an important distinction as you and I are having this conversation is neither of us have kids. Yes. When you have kids, that changes the conversation. So I definitely want to respect that, even though that's not my current yeah. standpoint. No, very, very true. Yeah. So we are at um, an hour 40. Okay. Um, I feel good. Yeah, I'm fine to, um, do you want to continue or stop it for, we've hit a good number of things. And so there's always plenty more, but. Um, of course, um, I think we're good for this week. Yeah, okay. this yeah. is some solid stuff. And, um, and you're giving out some resources as well, which would be helpful. Yeah, I got a couple so. of resources that I, I can uh, give. And so, um, we can always continue and do another one later down the road. I have like 5,000 words of shit because there's just so much about COVID. It's unreal. Yeah. I knew we had to keep it small because if we look at other states, like we didn't even talk about the doctor who got fired for giving out vaccines because they were going to expire. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would we bring that yeah. up another time? Maybe we can bring it up once he um, they figure out if he's going to formally get charged or not or if he ends up suing the state and um, winning, getting money. But uh, and then there's also a national well, I, shit I, too. But I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to venture to say in the next week or two, COVID will still be relevant. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. we can talk about it then. No, very, very true. <laughs> it's old news, man. Right. Yeah, that was all right. Okay. Perfect. Well, uh, cool. let's go ahead and close this up. So thank you, thank you everybody for uh, listening to episode 28 of the Beyond Red and Blue podcast. We discussed a bit of COVID stuff and a little bit of school stuff. We'll do a, a bigger education episode further down the road. There's a lot to to read so and, and learn about. So it, it isn't very easy to do. And I want to do it justice. Um, not social justice. I just want to do it like regular, regular justice. <laughs> regular justice. Old-fashioned yeah. justice. Old-fashioned. Old-fashioned, but not racist justice. Um and because uh, there is there's a lot of problems and some are correlated, some aren't. Uh, they all have a small factor in the problems that we see in education and in our adults today and our millennials and our Gen Zers. And um, so it'd be good to kind of break down exactly what's been going on and why. But and in particular, the state of Washington, where we're from, because there's a lot of really crazy shit going on. Um, but we'll do that at another time. Uh, again, thank you guys for listening. Check out www.covidwa.com if you need to get a vaccine. Uh, that is, uh, I believe, the best place at the moment to get one. 
to get signed up for one or to find a place to walk in. Um, And yeah, enjoy the rest of your morning, afternoon, or evening. Peace. Take care, everybody. 